So we'll be having grow groups this week, but then we'll be out for spring break week and the week after spring break, but we'll be back for the final week of March. So I'm just letting, letting all of you know that. You know, I, I, can, I can hardly believe it. Susan Black, I, I, I last saw her on Thursday, and now she's gone. Think about it. I went to bed tonight, and while I was asleep, Susan crossed over to the other side. Just that close. Eternity is just that close. And we're going, we know where she's gone, but it, it hurts to lose her. Like this is the woman that was the inspiration and the energy behind Cardia Ministry. The, the, the woman that was on fire for us to, to have the memorial service each year. And I can hardly believe that this year we'll light a candle for her. Life is short. And what happens in life really really matters. You know, I was with some, uh, some friends, uh, minister friends on, on Tuesday, and there's this, this ministry that um, is sort of coming together called J2 Ministry. It's, it, it's Joel chapter 2. And what it is, it's a call to churches across denominational lines to, to get together and to pray together, to Bring compassion to people that have been hurt, like in accidents or, or in disasters. And uh, it, was, it was a pretty amazing time just being with these guys. Like, I'm really in awe of guys who are deeply spiritual and much better organized than I am. <laughs> um, and these guys are just, just wonderful. And one of them, Norm Frederick, was talking about what a difference compassion could bring. Christian compassion, just the power of it. You know, atheists talk their talk, but that's not who's on the front lines when there's a disaster. It'll be the Christians on the front lines when there's a disaster. And governments can bring food, but they cannot bring compassion. Only we can bring compassion. Well, he, he was, uh, he was uh, Norm was talking, and he was saying that he, he has a, a daughter and a son-in-law that, are at, uh, that went as missionaries to Germany to a, a place called Hernhut. And Hernhut was where the Moravians had an incredible revival back in the 1700s, like a revival that spread out all over Europe and, uh, and out of Europe. And they, they went there. It's a secular sort of German town now. Not many believers there. And they planted this little church and they started praying. They said, well, you know, the last time God really struck here in a big way, it was as an answer to prayer. So we're going we're gonna to pray. And they're meeting as a little church, growing like a little bit, but, but struggling. But praying, praying, praying. 
And uh, Norm said in the fifth year, God sent us people. He said he sent us one million Muslims. And he said as they, some of them were coming to this town like we were reaching out to them. And in one year, in that fifth year, they baptized a hundred Muslims. He said in, in one day, we baptized 18. And he said, Ross, it's not like when you, bab when you baptize Muslims, he said, it's not like when you baptize someone here in the, in the U.S., you know, you put them down in the water, they come up and, you know, we sing a song or what have you. He said, they come out of the water and they're pumping their fists and they're saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He said, it was just the most incredible thing. And, 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 and I said to him, I've heard stories. I, actually, Bob Bentley was the first person to tell me this, that across the Muslim world, that people are having dreams where Jesus appears to them in a dream. And I asked, I asked him, I asked Norm, are they experiencing that? And he said, when I was over there, he said, I, I came across uh, two or three where they asked me, they said, I've been having these dreams where there's a man in white robes. Can you tell me who he is? And, you know... They're baptized. There is more. There is more to God. You know, there is a whole lot more when you've got Muslim men whose lives change forever, who pay a price after they become Christians. And man, if, you know, if you want to read about that a little bit, you should read Daniel Witt's newsletter. You know, and he's got prayer requests in there for a guy from Afghanistan that he said his name P. I don't know if that's that we don't get his whole name because it could be dangerous for him, but Ibrahim and Rezar and Hamid and Daniel saying, Praise, pray for these guys because they're losing their families because they are following Jesus. There is more. There is so much more. There is power. God is alive. Holy Spirit is real. We're talking right now about just how intensely powerful the Spirit is. And really, there are three elemental images of the Holy Spirit. One is water, and one is wind. And the other is fire. I talked about water last week. I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I'll pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. We are like the soil that needs to soak up the Holy Spirit. One day Jesus meets a woman at a well and he tells her this, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then a couple of chapters later, he says this, whoever 
Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit. You know, we were in Grow Group, uh, our, our Grow Group on, on Thursday night, and man, I gotta tell you, like I, I sat there and I felt like it was living water pouring out of brothers and sisters in that room. Like I, I was, I drank at their well. We were all drinking at one another's well. And, and somebody said, you know, the water is rising. The water is rising in this room. I'm going to talk today about what happened when the Spirit came with power. I mean, Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues of, as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to speak about that wind this morning. I, I, I did speak about, on, on this topic, a mighty wind back in, in 2018, and I, I got more, more positive response from that sermon from you, church, than probably any sermon I preached in 2018. And I, I, it was, well... There's more to that wind than we looked at in 2018, and I want to I talk about that. The Holy Spirit is a mighty wind. What is a mighty wind? Well, I've got a room full of people from Texas and Oklahoma, and if you're from Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas, if there's anything you know about, it's wind. It's rushing mighty winds, it's tornadoes. Had anybody ever seen a rushing mighty wind? Raise your hand if you've seen. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. Nobody sees the wind. Like what you see is Texas topsoil blowing through the air. You see, the, you see that. What you see are trees bending in the wind and, and maybe broken, but you don't actually see the wind. You see what the wind does. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. You see, a mighty wind blows things away. The Holy Spirit blows us away. The Holy Spirit moves us. And you see the mighty rushing wind when you see people moved by the mighty rushing wind. And that's the proof of it, when you see people bending before that wind. And we look at this first century church, we look at the day of Pentecost, and, well, the proof is all there, isn't it? These are the guys that deserted Jesus because they were all scared. And here they are 50 days later and they're standing right there in the 
precincts of the temple and they're saying, kill us if you want, but we're going to tell you what we've got to tell you. And who do you get to preach? Who do you get to preach? You get the guy who is absolutely covered in shame. You get the guy who just with his tail between his legs left Jesus on the cross and who lied and cursed and said, I never knew him. That's the guy that you get up to preach. And why is that the guy that, uh, that you get up to preach? Because it's not about him. It's not about you. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about that power. And, and that's where the proof is. That's where you know the wind is real and, and powerful. There is a God. And my God is mighty. My God is mighty. I want you, 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 you know, everybody in this room, we've all been to football games. Boy, and we get all excited at football games. And we'll cheer for our team. How about just for a minute, let's lose it for God, shall we? And we'll all together, and you better not say this in a whisper. My God is mighty. Let's say it. My God is mighty. Say it again. My God is mighty. And again. My God is mighty. Boy, that sure did feel good. Why, why, do, we, why do we save our emotion for a football game when the emotion belongs in here? And how do we get emotional for, for our teams? And we don't get emotional about our God. My God is mighty. He's mighty to save. He's a mighty, a rushing mighty wind. But, but there's more to this wind than the powerful rush. In Genesis 2-7, we read this. Then God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. God quite literally breathed life into us. You know, I, I, I can imagine getting by without water for a little while. It's very difficult to stop breathing for an extended period of time. You know, I actually thought about, like, having a little contest this morning. We'd all hold our breath and see who could go the longest. And I thought, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But you know how it is when you hold your breath. And then finally you're able to take a lung full of air and how good that air feels. And, and, and you don't think, well, you know, maybe, maybe I might like to have a, a little bit of air right about now. No, you just, you're gasping it. You are just so ready to take it in and the air feels so good. The word for spirit in Greek and in Hebrew is wind, but it's also breath. Same word, breath. And, and Jesus in John 20 and 22, he's meeting with his disciples in a locked room that he just comes through into the room. 
And he tells them he's sending them out. And then before he sends his guys out, here's what he says. Here's what happens. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So he breathed the Holy Spirit onto his disciples. Now, here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. He's very difficult to put in a box. And he's not just a one-time kind of experience. We receive the Holy Spirit when we're baptized. We know that from Acts 2, 38 through 40. But the Spirit also comes when, when we lay hands, when elders lay hands on people and, and pray over them. The Spirit, the Spirit comes. And in multiple situations, the, the, the Spirit does what the Spirit does. You know, one passage that I grew up with, and it's a great passage to have grown up with, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's God-breathed. God breathed these Scriptures. You know, I mean, if you believe in the Holy Spirit, you, you believe in the Scriptures. And, and, you, and you want the Scriptures. But the Holy Spirit is our life breath. You can't breathe spiritually without the Holy Spirit. You can't live in Jesus without the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12.3 says this, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? Well, you know, I mean, you could teach a parrot to say uh, Jesus is Lord, and you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit to teach the parrot. But what Paul is saying here is like no one can really say it and really mean it. No one can say that with conviction and it be true that Jesus is my Lord. If I say Jesus is the Son of God, that's a statement. When I, but when I say Jesus is Lord, I'm saying I come under his power. And so, it's the Holy Spirit's power that gives us the conviction as to who Jesus is and, and, and his power in our lives. Well, how do you breathe the Holy Spirit? I've got like some breathing exercises for you this morning. First, you need to be quiet in his presence. You know, life is just a noisy business. You know, we're going down the road, making phone calls, listening to the radio at the same time and planning what we're going to do. And like, it, 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 it's just sort of crazy noise. And sometimes inside our heads, it's noise. And, and, and we talk, talk, talk. But here's the thing. You need to stop talking so that you can breathe. Now, my daughter, Savannah, I, I used to always marvel that that girl could talk so fast. Like, just unbelievable. I mean, she'd just get going. I mean, it would be, oh, about 120 miles an hour with, like, gusts of 180 miles an hour. And, you know, you're listening and you're thinking, okay, I can, I can jump in here somewhere. And, uh, you know, it just... And sometimes... Have you ever had someone, they ask you a question, and then they keep talking for the next 20 minutes? And, and you're going, okay, with every question, there is a question mark. 
And there should be a pause after that question so that there can be an answer. What I want to say is it is real important in life for us to push that pause button. To push that pause button to let go and to let God. To push that pause button so that he might have something to say to us. That's the thing. But do we allow him that? Will we allow him that? In that silence, it's interesting what happens. I find sometimes God sends me a scripture, and I'm going, oh, where'd that come from? Or, or, or he'll send me a song. And, and, and like the song really speaks to, to where I am. Or he'll give me an impression or an image. There are different ways that God can, can touch us. So you need to be quiet in God's presence. Second, you need to breathe in God's word. Paul tells Timothy, hey, this is God-breathed stuff. Well, if it's God-breathed, we need to be breathing it in. And, come on, anything that contradicts Scripture can't be right. And anything that is supported by Scripture has to be right. And, and so, and memorizing Scripture is a powerful thing because when you memorize it, you have really taken it into your, yourself. You've really taken it in when, when you've got that verse. And that verse has a chance to get you. It's more than just words on a page. It's something that you've, you've taken in, you've ingested it. Here's a breathing exercise. Inhale God's word. Exhale prayer. Inhale God's word. Just breathe. Just breathe. And allow God to be God. A third thing. You need to meditate. You know, the Holy Spirit will join us in our thoughts. If you find that quiet place and you just go sit and you just tell God, hey God, I'm just here. I just want to sit with you a while. You know, I don't know what I got to say, but I just need to sit. And here's where, here's where I'm at and I just want to be with you. Like, it's amazing what can happen in times like that. Man, I, I had the most, uh, well, for me, it was an amazing experience. Because I, I haven't had experiences like this one. Not quite like it. Um, it happened, I was at, at, at Billy Callum's sister's funeral. And... Um, and I was sitting on the back row, and I was by myself, and, you know, and I, I'm just quiet, just taking things in, and the picture is up there on the screen, and, and I always compare ages of people that, you know, that I, that I know, say, from other places, you know, and I, I thought to myself, oh, yeah, you, you're, just a, you're just a couple of years older than my dad. 
Okay. And I'm just sitting there and not particularly going down memory lane or anything. I'm just sitting there and I just made that acknowledgement. And I, I felt a presence next to me on that pew. And it was a gentle presence. And it kind of came out of the blue. It was like somebody that was a friend just leaning over you and, to you and making a comment. And it's like I, I felt this. And what I heard was, hey, hey, Ross, you know, I really loved your dad. I, and it was like in that tone. Now, okay, some of you are thinking the preacher has lost his mind. I won't ask for a show of hands here. But, like, I will say this. You know, I'm, I'm probably, probably not much crazier than the rest of you. Which is pretty crazy. But I don't, I don't have voices in my head that are talking to me in the second person. I mean, that doesn't happen. I, I don't have those kind of conversations. And here was, hey, Ross. And I was like, was that you? And I really, I really with all my heart believe that it was. Spirit is real. He joins us in our thoughts. We all believe the devil's real enough, and he certainly invades our thoughts. It's important to remember something here. Jesus says this to Nicodemus. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from and where it's going, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You know, there's something I've noticed about the wind. Like when you see a piece of paper blowing in the wind, or, you know, and just watch it. It just looks so terribly random, doesn't it? I mean, it really does look random. It's like, well, I, I wonder where that's going. And that is something else about the, the wind. Something else about the Spirit is you can't put him in a box. You can't tie him down to a formula. You can't figure him out. But if you allow him to, he'll certainly figure you out. We're told in Scripture, let the Spirit guide you. And what does that mean? Like, here's what I think it means. I think it means we need to be looking for the, the leading of the Spirit. We need to be open. We need to be curious. We need to be observant. We need to be flexible. And we must do all this in connection with the Word of God. No question. But this is supported by the Word of God. Above all, it means being vulnerable. And that's scary. That's scary for all of us to be vulnerable. 
to one another, to God. But there is power. There is power. If you haven't given your life to Jesus and, and had your sins washed and, and, and received the Holy Spirit, like you haven't received that power. And you need to receive that power. You're here this morning and you need more. You need prayer. We've got elders and, and their wives who are men and women of faith. I'm here. Man, let's pray. Let's lift you up before the Lord while we stand and while we sing. Let the weak say